We're in awe of you. We're in awe of you, Jesus. Thank you that you left the splendor of heaven to come down to earth for us, Jesus. Lord, I pray as I speak now, Lord, that you would use the words of my mouth, Lord, to touch the hearts of people. Lord, that you would encourage and strengthen them. Lord, that you would have your way in this place, Jesus. And everyone says, amen. You may be seated. Okay, big difference between when Dave comes to preach and when I come to preach. Did you notice I had to come up in the middle of the song? Because I had my water, I had to get in the pulpit, my tissues, my Bible. I then had to remove stuff. Girls are very different to boys, aren't they? Because I could have done with my handbag up here, even though I don't really use handbags often, but I had so much. But yes, this morning... David just asked me to speak um, a number of weeks ago, and I kind of said no. And um, because you always want to make sure you don't get up to say something just for the sake of saying something. And so he had said to me, you know, I spoke a word a number of years ago to the women in church. And he said, you know what, I really think this would fit well. You know, with what the Lord is doing in this place. And I said, oh, no, I don't think so. I think you should preach, carry on preaching. And then Pastor Ray came last week. And he touched on stuff that was in my message. And in the middle of the sermon, Dave just looked at me and he said, see? And I said, oh, okay, I will then. So, you know, I'm just trusting that what I have to say, you know, that God will do something. And, you know, Dave's been preaching over recent weeks about the woman that came to the feet of Jesus. And she brought her precious alabaster jar and she broke it at his feet and began to ceremonially just just, um, worship and just anoint his feet and his body. And then we heard Pastor Ray talking about storms last week and about when Paul set off on a journey, the wind was favorable. But as they launched out into the sea, the wind changed and something broke and changed them. You know, so this morning what I want to just share with you is something that we read of in 2 Corinthians 2.15. And it says that our lives diffuse the sweet aroma of Christ. You know, and today I just want to share with you about what does that life look like? What fragrance comes from our life? Pastor Ray touched on it last week and started sharing about, you know, how Paul just responded in situations without bitterness, without anger. But what is the fragrance that comes from our life? You know, there's an amazing scripture contained in the Old Testament found in Song of Solomon's, and it likens our life to a garden. And this is going to be the scripture that I'm going to read today. And it's Song of Solomon's. 4 verses 12 to 16, and I'm reading it from the um, American Standard Bible, and it says this, a garden locked up is my sister, my bride, a rock garden locked, a spring sealed up, your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits, henna and spikenard plants, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, along with the finest spices. 
You are a garden spring, a well of fresh water, and streams flowing from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come wind of the south. Make my garden breathe out, breathe out fragrance. Let its spices be wafted abroad. May my beloved come into his garden and eat of its choice fruits. You know, it's amazing to think that God has placed a garden within our lives. And I looked at it, and it's not a garden just for, it's not like a garden like my garden, put it that way, okay? My garden is just full of any weed that likes to grow. So it's not a garden that's for the dandelions and daisies and, you know, the odd um, plant that we get from B&Q and then shrubs and stuff like that. It's not like that. But this garden, if you look at it, is teeming with abundance. It's teeming with so much in it. And, you know, when God, when God does anything in the Bible, he just doesn't do it. Um, you know, oh, yeah, we'll throw that in. But God actually says things, and they mean something. So this morning, what I want us to do is just begin to unfold what's in this garden, what's in this life of ours, to see what kind of fragrance is being released from our lives. You know? And the first thing I want us to look at is the, um, the first thing that we see is that the garden is full of an orchard of pomegranates. Who has eaten an, a pomegranate before? Not the easiest of things. It's full of seeds. But you know what the Bible talks? It's a sweet-tasting fruit for those of you who haven't had it. And the pomegranate in the Old Testament used to be attached to the bottom of the priest's garment. And that, and that pomegranate was symbolic of that priest's prayer life. And what I find amazing is that it doesn't say there was a pomegranate tree in the garden, but it says it, that it had an orchard of pomegranates. You know, bring that to where our life is now. What Dave's spoken about today, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. You know, what fragrance comes from our life? Well, one of the first things should come from our life is that aroma of prayer towards Jesus, that aroma of prayer towards God. And, you know, we only have to look as far as the, um, Jesus himself to see that his life, prayer permeated every area of his life. And that's not about us being, you know, really, um, you know, I'm going to get up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Although if God tells you to do it, then go and do it. But, you know, that communication, that intimacy with the Father that's what the Lord really wants. You know, when Dave spoke about it today, when we pray, it changes us. When you, when you come to chat with God, what you're doing is you're saying to the Lord, you're breaking your heart, you know, you're becoming intimate. And you're not only praying for yourself, but you're going to pray for other people. And in that prayer time, intimacy and relationship is formed. So our lives are to be fragrant with the fragrance of prayer. Let prayer permeate every aspect of our life. The next two spices I want to look at is henna and saffron. And these are actually color agents. There may be other things that they do, but one of the key things of both henna, which is a dye, and saffron, which is a spice that gets used to color and stuff, is that they are color agents. They're designed to add pigment to things. Do you know what? 
our lives are designed to add pigment and color to our world. The fragrance of our lives is to be that that we brighten the world around us. You know, and our world is so desperately in need of color. You know, there are people, I mean, even as Christians, sometimes we go through dark times. But think about people out in Newport, out on your street. Think about the situations they're facing. Thinking, think about the possible tears they're shedding as they go to sleep at night. And we have an awesome opportunity to allow the fragrance of color to come from our lives. And how can we do that? You know, it's simple things. It may be just encouraging somebody. It could be going out of your way for somebody. It could be showing acts of kindness to somebody. Maybe making them a cake, making them a meal, offering to take their children to school because you know they're really struggling. All of those things are all things that just brighten. Brighten the world around us. Brighten people's lives. You know, so when you're thinking about your life, ask yourself, Lord, am I allowing that fragrance and that color from, of who you've made me to be, am I allowing that to diffuse from my life into the lives of others? Also, another um, spice in the, um, in the text was cinnamon. And cinnamon, anybody who likes cinnamon in this place, I have to say I am in love with Cinnabon from America. The cinnamon rolls, you can have bread, which is boring, or you can have cinnamon buns, and that is exciting. So cinnamon actually brings flavor and vibrancy and the smell. If you've ever cooked with cinnamon, you walk into the place and the smell is heady and delicious. You can see that I'm now thinking somewhere else. So anyway, ah! so yeah, so... You know, what, that's another characteristic of our lives. Jesus wants our life to be bursting with flavor so that when people come into our, you know, and come into the, our lives and people, when they're touched by our lives, they, there's like a fragrance and a flavor that's diffused. You know, I ask the question, I ask myself, what kind of taste do I leave in people's mouths after I've been with them in work, maybe at home, in school? What kind of taste do people pick up after I've been in this situation? Is it something negative? You know, am I, you know, and full of the woes of the world? Am I gossiping? Am I bringing other people down? Am I talking in ways that are wrong? Am I just being bitter? You know, those kind of things leave a taste in people's mouth, but they're not nice tastes. Or do I allow my life to diffuse encouragement? Do I allow my life to diffuse the fragrance of Jesus? Do I allow my life to touch people? Because what does it say in Psalm 34, verse 8? Taste and see that the Lord is good. We are Jesus' representation here on earth to a lost and dying world. So when people come into you know, come into our lives? Do they taste? Are they drawn to something beyond? Are they drawn to Jesus because of what they see 
from our lives? Are they thinking, ah, there's something I don't want to get away from here. I could eat a cinnamon bun every day of my life, just saying. But you want people to be thinking, Where's that? Where is, where is she? I need to be with her next to her in the playground. You know, in work, oh, can I sit by you? Can I go out for dinner with you? Shall we go for coffee? Because there's something attractive. There's something diffused from our life. And people are like, I need more of this. You know, Jesus wants us to be like that in his, our lives. The other thing that you see in the garden is it talks about the garden being planted with spikenard or nard. Dave's preached about it, the woman with the alabaster jar. What was contained in that jar? Precious perfume. So costly. So costly. In fact, for that lady who anointed Jesus' feet, that was imported from in another distant land because it was so rare and so precious. And, you know, I thought about this. You know, when, when the woman worshipped, and anointed Jesus' feet. After everything was gone, after she'd gone, after Jesus had gone, what do you think would happen when people walked into that place? You know, I can smell something. I can smell something. Something's happened here. Something precious has happened here. You know, when our lives are to be like that, you know, where spikenard is released. But spikenard is precious and it's very costly. You know, and for some of you here today, you've been through really tough times. You've been, like it says in Psalms 23 maybe, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, for some of you today, you've wept as you've watched your children Mess it up. I'm not there. But for some of you, your heart's broken. The dreams that you had years ago, when you used to play football with them in the park, when you used to play dolls in the bedroom, it's not the reality you're living in right now. But you know what? In that time, of brokenness in the times of hurt this is why we have to do tissues as girls in those times of hurt that isn't in vain there's a precious fragrance a precious precious fragrance contained within your life you know and you can use that area of your life where you've drawn and you've leaned into God and you said oh Jesus Oh, Jesus, I need your help. And you know, the Bible will allow you, the Bible talks about it, that he will use your life in a way to bless others. He will use that rough time of your life to diffuse a fragrance to other people. You know, it says comfort others with the comfort you've received. You know, some of you could come up here and share five minutes of wisdom with us from your life that could touch and bless us. But that five minutes of wisdom has seen you walk a long, hard journey 
maybe five years of pain to get that five years of uh, five minutes of wisdom. But allow your life, allow the tough times of your life to mold and shape you to be able to serve other people as well. You know, and as you open up your wounds sometimes to people, it talks about, doesn't it? It's like people reaching in and drawing honey out of the carcass of a lion, a dead thing. But see, for some, they're walking a similar road and they can draw honey and you can allow that fragrance, that fragrance of spikenard, cost you dearly. It's cost you dearly. But you can allow that to resonate from your life. It pleases the heart of the Father first and foremost, but also it can bless and touch so many other people as well. Another, another thing planted in the garden was calamus. And calamus is a scented cane that came from the east, and it was used in the anointing oil. And when calamus blossoms, they pick the petals, and then they bruise them in order to extract the fragrance. How many have been through bruising situations in our lives where you feel you've been in bud? And buds don't come quickly sometimes, do they? There's a season for buds, and then all of a sudden the bud gets taken off and bruised. But you know, the Bible exhorts us through this, that even in those bruising circumstances, we don't have to become bitter. But a fragrance can ascend from our lives as we're bruised. You only have to look as far as Jesus on the cross, whipped, broken, in pain. And what was the fragrance released from his mouth? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, some of you in this place may be feeling like you're being bruised and it's tough and you're you're crushed because you just began to blossom and now somebody's coming to bruise you. But be encouraged that a bruising, whilst it's not hard, whilst it's painful, that in that bruising we can diffuse a fragrance And actually, you know, it was used in the anointing oil. What does Psalm 23 say? He anoints my head with oil. You know, he anoints my head with oil. Oh, the Christian life is so backwards to the way of of the world. We know that his ways are not our ways. You know, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Who would have thought that he could encourage us that when we're in the middle of being bruised, that we could release a sweet fragrance? We could release a sweet fragrance. And if at the time it's not for anybody else, if it's only unto the Lord, then that is just amazing that in the midst of a bruising time, we can lift our hands and allow that sweet fragrance to come from our life. You know, another quality that's found or another plant that's found in the garden is aloes. Lots of different properties for aloes, but one of those things is it's used as a medicine to treat and to soothe burns. 
I, I probably don't need to ask. How many of you in this place have been burnt? How many of you know people that have burnt by life? Criticism. Words of criticism about the way you live, about what, what you do. And maybe even from Christians. You know? You feel burnt. Maybe you've had massive dreams. Oh, Lord, I dreamed to do this. And you go for it, and it fails. You feel burnt by life. People who've said that they would walk the world for you. And in your time of great need, gone. Burnt. Burnt by life. But you know, the amazing thing is that the Bible says that within us, he has planted aloes to soothe, to soothe those burns, you know? And we can then use that quality, that fragrance, that healing property, not only to heal ourselves, but again, looking outwards, how many people do we know who are burnt by life? And we can come with a word of encouragement. We can come with a word to heal them. You know, people may not go to the doctor and find healing, but they may walk to their, into your life, and you may be able to speak to them words of life to encourage them. And I'd say as well, I'd encourage you to be bold about the word of God. I remember being in work once, and I was working, and people knew I was a Christian, and this lady came up to me and she said, Faye, I can't have a baby. So I said, well, do you want me to pray for you? And she said, yes, please. I said, oh, okay, thinking I was going to go home and pray. And in the middle of the office, by the photocopiers, she got my hand and stuck it on her stomach and said, go on then, pray. And I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, now. So I just prayed. You know, you just pray. And I said, well, in Jesus' name, I then went home. And I found every single scripture in the Bible that I could find that talked about babies being a blessing children being a blessing from God and I wrote them down on a few sheets of paper and I handed them to her and I said I know I've prayed for you but I just want to let you know what the Bible declares about children in your life and I said you can do with it what you want you may want to just read the Bible you may just want to read what I've written out because the Bible talks about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God I know you're not a Christian but I just want to hand it to you I then got a promotion moved to a different part of the business and I saw her one day she came looking for me and she said oh Faye this is about a year later and she said oh Faye I've done something terrible and I said what do you mean she said every day since you've given me those scriptures I have read them, and I have read them, and I've declared them over my life, and I got to the point where I just thought, this is never going to happen. And she said, in utter disappointment, I just ripped them up. And she said, oh, Faye, I'm missing them. I need them. I need them. Can you please get them to me again? And I was like, of course I can get them to you, Cindy. It's absolutely fine. Do you know what? Two years later, when the doctors told her she couldn't conceive, where an IVF hadn't worked, when nothing had worked, she held a little baby boy in her hands so I would I would say to you aloes be bold with the word of God there's only one thing that's going to change people's lives when they're burned by life they're burned by things let your life be a living testimony and be bold with the word of God in your life the other thing that's found in this garden that God has planted in our lives is myrrh and myrrh is a painkiller. 
But for the oil to be extracted, the root has to be crushed. Life sometimes has many crushing experiences. And in that crushing, whilst it's tough, I want to encourage you that there is a reserve of myrrh that is being worked through your life. I read in Isaiah 53 last night, 53.10. I mean, I struggle to read Isaiah 53 because it's just talking about what Jesus went through. But it says this. Talking after all the, after everything that had happened, and it talks all about what happened to Jesus. It says, still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin, so that he'd see life come from it, life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Jesus went through a crushing experience so that you and I could be there, that he could be the painkiller for our lives, that he could come and remove sin, that he could bridge the gap between us and God. He's just the ultimate example of what can happen as that fragrance from his life was diffused. You know, when you may be in this place today and life has crushed you, but just want to encourage you again that crushing experiences of life doesn't mean barrenness. Crushing experiences of life doesn't mean that you've not made it. Crushing experiences of life doesn't mean unfruitfulness. In fact, quite the opposite. It's only through the crushing that certain fragrances get diffused and myrrh will be diffused from your life. Myrrh to heal pain, but also to diffuse to others. Again, comfort others with the comfort that you've received. There's a, a deposit of myrrh within you to help other people who are going through the darkest areas of their life. The next thing that's written about in Song of Solomon 4 is frankincense. And frankincense diffuses a strong fragrance when burnt. You know, Peter, First Peter 4.12 says that we will face fiery trials. And it says we'll face fiery trials because of the love that we have for Jesus. But it says we will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory revealed in this world. You know, again, fragrant when burnt, not exactly nice. But I look at Paul and Silas in the Bible. You know, they were in the midst of prison, chained with other prisoners. And in the midst of everything, they said, do you know what, in the midst of this, what did they do? They lifted their hands and they began to praise with all their might. And it talks about the chains falling off. And it talks about how the doors flung open 
And God delivered them from that place in the midst of dark hardship. You look at Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, exactly the same thing happened. They're there, and they actually get thrown into a furnace because they are worshiping and praying to Jesus. And it says, um, this is what they say, your threat means nothing to us. The God we serve can rescue us. Even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. And we know for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went into that fiery furnace and the fourth man appeared. And he, was, he delivered them. But do you know what? Even if he didn't, it would make no difference. Even if you were going through sufferings, the Bible says we will go through suffering. We will. Some things we get delivered from, John didn't when his head got t- knocked off, chopped off. But he didn't. But the thing is, even if your head gets chopped off, you can still, God still has something within you to diffuse fragrance. There's still a fragrance that can be removed, released from your life. And it's actually only in those dark times that that happens. We sang it this morning, Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually on my lips. When you feel that you are being burnt, you are being suppressed, you are being overcome, that things aren't happening the way they should, you feel you're being persecuted for the, for the name of Jesus, then great. We get to release free and frankincense from our lives. Just want to say, so those are some of the things that are in the garden. But do you know what verse 12 says? It says, at the very beginning, a garden locked up. A garden locked up is my sister, my bride. Sometimes that can be the biggest problem. We don't realize what's in us. And we can walk around with a life that's closed. You only have to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan to see that. You know, that Good Samaritan that day when he helped the man on the Jericho Road, he had an unlocked life. And he allowed everything from his life and laid it at the disposal of the man who was beaten and wounded. But the tragedy for me is that the Levite and the priest walked by just hours before. Men of God, locked life. We can profess Jesus all we want. But if our lives are locked, what good is us in this world? He says that we're a city on the hill. He says we diffuse fragrance. But you've got to actually open yourself to diffuse fragrance. You know, and it says here at the end of um, the passage in verse 16, the Shulamite woman who this um, is being written about, this is all the stuff that's in her life. This is her garden. This is everything that's in her life. In verse 16, it says, Awake, O north wind. Pastor Ray preached about it. And come, wind of the south, and make my garden breathe out fragrance. What happened to the disciples when they were in the upper room? It said the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind. Before that, they were locked up in the upper room. Loving Jesus, but locked up. But he came as a mighty rushing wind. And what did he do? He began to unlock them. And he said, you go out there and you begin to preach and you begin to share my grace and my love with people. That's what happens when our lives become unlocked. We're able to do things. Just to let you know, Pastor Ray preached about it. The north wind. What is the north wind? In the passage Ray and Pastor Ray preached about last week, it talked about a massive wind storm came like a typhoon. You know, the north wind is cold and fierce. 
It's that side of life that is harsh and uncomfortable. It's the barren place of life when you don't know what's going on. When you look in the mirror and you're like a tree and all your leaves have fallen off and you just got your little branches there exposed to the severity of the elements. And in those dark times of life, that's the north wind, harsh. And then the opposing thing, so the north wind comes And then the south wind comes. What's the south wind? It's the warm, gentle breeze. It's the favorable wind. It's life enriching. And wherever the south wind is, there's growth. You know, that's a time of life when the garden is teeming. There's beauty, fruitfulness, and order. But you need both the north wind and the south wind. They're both essential for life in the garden and in the productivity of the garden. You see, Romans 8.28 says this. He works all things together for our good. The good things and the bad things. You only have to look at the life of Jesus and you see these two things, the north wind and the south wind, evident right the way through. You know, when Jesus was baptized... That was a south wind moment. This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. And then he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed. His his ministry was launched, and we know that Jesus did amazing things as the south wind blew. But he had north wind experiences too. It was only three years later in the garden, and he's praying. And his friends are sleeping, and he's sweating blood. And he said, if there's anything, any other way to let this cup pass from me, but it's, if it's not your will, or it's not my will be done, but your will be done. You know, we haven't got time to read Isaiah 53 now. I read it from the message last night, and I broke my heart. I broke my heart to think of what he did for me. What he did for me. You know, whatever whatever crushing experiences we go through in life, and nothing really compared to what Jesus went through. You know, I don't know where you are today in life. I don't know whether you're fearful as you see the north wind seemingly ravage through your life, causing chaos, you know, where you see things just turned upside down. But I want to encourage you. God has planted all that you need within you, and he promises he'll never leave or forsake you. And despite that strong invading wind in your life, Our lives, the garden of our lives, can still diffuse the sweet aroma of calamus, myrrh, and frankincense. You know, or maybe you're in the season of life at the moment where you're feeling that warm, gentle south wind blowing, and you're excited by life. Everything is going well. It's favorable. You're loving things, and you can see everything you're touching. It's just happening. Can I just encourage you, in that time, enjoy it. 
enjoy as the south wind comes. But remember in that season to use your life to serve others. Allow henna, allow saffron, allow cinnamon to be diffused from your life. Make sure you go the extra mile for somebody. Make sure you show acts of kindness and color people's worlds. Finally, it says, if I can find it. Finally, yeah, it says, after the Shulamite woman talks about the north and the south wind, she says in verse 16, May my beloved come into his garden and eat of its choice fruits. The garden of our lives is designed to bless others. But ultimately, the garden of our lives, the fragrance that's diffused from our lives, is for our king. A life unlocked. That's what he wants our lives to be before him. Oh, it's so sweet smelling. It's so sweet smelling. Our desire is for our lives to be for his good pleasure. Brilliant.